Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City. The Formula One season is done and dusted, as you like to say, Jonathan Green. I do. And boy, there was a lot of dust and there was a lot of doing. (laughs) I mean, it was a long ass season, as they say here in Texas. It was. And the end of the season in particular with the... Back to back to back to back to back with uh, maybe a week off in between. And they forced us to go to one. <laughs> they forced us. We yeah. had to go to Vegas. Yeah, we had to go. Had to go to Vegas. <laughs> had to go. Uh, I had my own personal broadcast booth in Vegas. That was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, and it was only a few down from ours. <laughs> <laughs> the, the big, the kids' table and the big boy table. Exactly. Is that what it was? And we were right on the track. I, I tell you what, where we were. Oh talk about. I love. There's there's a few fans out there would have loved to have been in our booth and just tried to watch the cars go by. We, me, and, me and Connor were being absolute fanboys, trying to take slow-mos with our iPhones of the cars going by in free practice. They were 200 miles an hour outside our booth. Uh, and sparks flying everywhere. It's, it was amazing. I have several videos. All I did was take my iPhone and slap it on the glass. That's a good idea. And record. And they were amazing. You could hear the sound, and you could barely... I mean, you... You could Correct hardly see. You, you couldn't identify tell the what cars. Car. No, That's you could what not. I was going to say you couldn't, couldn't tell what car was passing by. It was so we fast. also got a great uh, insight as to how they lift the barriers and move them because we were right by. That's right. Where they closed the roads. Several off. videos that we were I can't share with anybody <laughs> because I don't have the rights. But of them repairing the manhole Pot covers, hole, yeah, the, the, yeah. the valve covers. The moving of the barriers, the cars going by, I have all those videos on my you know, phone. It's, it's, not, not many people know this, but there were forty in all on or near the track that they had to basically sort. Yeah. Well, I can see why they had to delay the FP2 to 2 in the morning. But, hey, let me go over what we're talking about tonight because we are going to look back at the entire F1 season, just to some of our favorites, favorite races, favorite everything. And we're going to talk all about the news about Logan Sargent, our American Formula 1 driver who has re-upped with the Williams F1 team. That's big news for us here in America, and that's really probably the biggest news this week in Formula One. Yeah, I mean, it it was old news, but new news. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. We've been waiting since Austin, to be honest. Uh, We thought we might get an announcement at Austin, but, um, and I mean, are we going to go straight into it, discussing that now? Yeah, well, I say let's start with the, uh, we're going to go to Logan in the second segment. We'll talk about the, um, our favorites of the season. Yeah. In fact, you know, (laughs) I had on there, Best driver of the season and best race, but best driver, that's a simple, I mean, there's no question about the best driver, but so I moved it to favorite driver or favorite moment of the year. Jonathan, what do you think? Ooh, that's, that's harder than picking a favorite. Absolutely know, harder because best driver was, you know, Max's. Max Verstappen. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, yes, that's the obvious answer to that question is Max Verstappen was without doubt winning 19 races, the best driver of that season, but. Those who do Formula One and have been around Formula One a bit couldn't understand why you could take up argument with that because there's more to it than that. He also had the best car. Now, you've got to get it across the, you know, the finish line uh, 19 times and do it, you know, brilliantly up against 19 other guys who want exactly to take to take that position. So he he is, without a doubt, the I best mean, driver. And you could say best driver, maybe. I did runner-up, and I also, you know, you could say, um, I mean, all sorts of, you could say your most improved 
however you well, want to look at it. I, I would say that I was really impressed, and this might be a bit left field. I'm not going to answer any of your questions the way you want me to because I have <laughs> nothing definitive. It was one of those seasons where there was so much going on, and I think that's what makes it a classic season, is that if you forget about the fact that it was totally dominated by the RB19 and Red Bull, there's so much going on. So, yeah. so to answer your question, one of the best drivers of 2023 was Fernando Alonso. Yep. That's who I had. <laughs> I had, I put, uh, after Max, I put Hamilton, question mark, and then I said, no, no I'm sticking with Alonso. No. I mean, just they because... Both had a, they both had a car that wasn't perfect, but Alonso used it better. Yeah, and Hamilton, to me, had the fire in the belly back that he had lost last year. I agree with that. Um, and he clearly showed that why he's a seven-time world champion. He absolutely. was amazing at times. Yep. So is that, will that does that count? And, that counts. Okay, so what else? <laughs> I've got to go worse. Uh, you know, you can do, um, I don't know, most improved. Most improved, I would say, Liam Lawson. <laughs> How about that? I like it. Uh, Liam Lawson was one of my favorite stories of the whole year. And, I, and it's very biased because we had him on right before Daniel Ricciardo's crash, before he mm. knew he was about to go to Formula One. It was the week before, and we had him on for like a half an hour on the show. Now, you know I'm a good mate of his, but at the same time, to do what he did... Um, it's a bit of a strange one calling him the most improved, but the fact that he got into an F1 situation, replacing a guy who'd come in to do the full season, uh, midway through his own season in Japan where he was fighting for a championship, um, was, to to say the least, brilliant. Because <laughs> he didn't make any unforced errors. He slid off the track at uh, Qatar, that's all he did, and it was the first lap of the first race, and he was offline, and he put his hand up and said, my fault. But the rest of the time, he fought with Yuki in Japan brilliantly. Um, he equipped himself uh, well. He raced hard. He held off Verstappen, uh, overtook Verstappen at one point, um, but he didn't show any signs of somebody who hadn't been around the scene. And to do what he did in the five races, and he didn't know from week to week. Remember, he came in at Monza with mm. a day's sort of notice yeah so yeah I, I, mean, I just you know brilliant yeah and and uh it's funny later in the show i'm going to i started looking at the williams videos on their website and i kind of got into the rabbit hole and then i started thinking nobody else is doing this and i'm going to review all 10 f1 youtube channels okay and i was looking at the alfatari and the best video that i found was a about a 15 minute video with liam lawson and i thought i was watching it going comparing it to ours <laughs> And one, they had an advantage because they, it was after the fact, and he knew, and it was really fascinating because he talked about finding out. He said he was watching the race, and he watched Daniel Ricciardo, and you heard the radio message about it. He heard his hand, and he, he said just for a few seconds, he thought, is this, could this be? And they thought, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. And then he said about 15 minutes later, he got a text from Helmut Marco, and he was like, Gosh. holy S word. <laughs> well, and, and to be honest, that's the other side of this as to why I would put him in that rank of most improved because he is in tr he's trying to impress the hardest guy in Formula One, an ex-Formula One driver himself, and is well known for getting rid of Albon, for getting rid of Kvyat, for getting rid of all and sundry if they don't fit the bill. And Helmut Marko does not suffer fools, and he was very complimentary about Liam, and I think, actually, even though Liam hasn't got the race seat for next year, I, I think he's done enough that, that says he's going to be the hottest property in Formula One next year. All right, next up, favorite race of the year? Vegas. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And there's some comments on YouTube. Uh, Singapore, that was a definitely a good race. In fact, that's what I put as my runner-up when last week on Wheel to Wheel, Chris and I were talking. He asked me, and I said, Vegas for sure. I did and, enjoy Japan, though, because there was a lot of yeah, stuff Japan, going on. Yeah, Chris mentioned Japan, but Chris mentioned one that I've come around to put as my second place, and that's Coda. Ah, okay, yeah. I mean— It was good. It, and, and it's— this is It's just, harder when you're actually doing the I know, commentary. this is just personal, right? This is— yeah. You have to include Singapore, yeah, Japan, but Coda, you remember the end of the race with, with Lando and Hamilton chasing down Max Verstappen? And, of course, the weekend for us at Coda is always something mm. amazing and special. Vegas was just— too crazy and well, it such started, a it, swing. Yeah, yeah, it was such a swing. In the, I, I think, like everybody, we arrive somewhat cynically um, this, in the city of sin. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, eyes wide open. We were tired. It was the end of the year. Uh, we'd seen a lot of racing by and then. The crazy time. Okay, zones. what are you going to do to impress me? And then you open the curtains of your hotel room, and there's the sphere advertising Formula One like nothing else, and. There it is, this 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 amazing pool table flat circuit. Again, I didn't expect an amazing uh, pit building um, and just some amazing aspects from viewing to the big screens to just that sphere, as I say. And yeah. then and then also the way they included all the acts that come to Vegas. I never thought I'd see. The Blue Men, or you know, the in the opening ceremony, Journey, and so you know, so many all these big acts think, that are actually playing. Do you think that Max Verstappen, who early in the weekend was saying the show is crap, why are we here? I don't even want to talk about the show. This, you know, I just want to talk about racing. Who at the end of the race after winning was like, wow, this was amazing. Do you think that he was told to do that, or do you think that he did get sucked in by a really good race on? You know, we had temperatures and slick track, lack of traction, great racing. What do you think? I, I, I honestly think he's a hypocrite in many ways, and he's still growing up. That's the truth. Because, okay. I mean, nobody told him to wear an Elvis suit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. And, and so you can't say he didn't get into the spirit of things. And he also wore it whereby not many people would have known he had it, and it was almost a sort of, oh, I know I'm going to win, so therefore when I stand up, they'll see my belt. Because yeah. I happened to be on the grid when when he put it on my Elvis belt. Yeah, yeah. so you know, I, I, I so was he told? No, of course not. No, that that is that was his genuine opinion. But that that's it. like I said, it reminded me of Senna, which is like I'm not here for show. I'm here to race. I just want to win, and all this sort of you know rah rah kind of like don't distract me because it's what for me racing is pure and it's my life, which is what Senna used to say. And and at times it got a bit kind of like all right, all right, yeah. don't rub it in. All right, next. <laughs> Most improved team of 2023. You and I were talking about this before earlier in the day. Uh, McLaren. Okay. That's that's a pretty good one. Where was McLaren in the constructor standings last year? Let's look uh, at that. Eighth? Seventh? No. No, 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 no. Let's ah. see. Andy P is on YouTube. He's going to tell know. us. He'll tell us by the time we look it up. Okay. But, but no, that, that, that would – I mean, there's so many teams that you could look at, but there's no question that McLaren – I mean, you could throw Aston Martin in there – because theirs was a, a season that the, the, they came out McLaren and shocked was us right for fifth last year. Okay, and so they're fourth this year. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, not you a, had another team you talked about too. Uh, well, Aston Martin, but the other wouldn't would be Williams. Yeah, but it, physically, you know, Williams. Yep. went from well, know, that was when you said those two. That's when I said Williams. I mm -hmm. think to me, that's a clear most improved team is Williams. They've moved from tenth to seventh. Yeah, and. 
If you think about it, and Lugan one driver Logan, scored all the points. I was just about no. to say, if you do the math, Logan Sargent, he didn't add anything to it, which he, you one know, point. he was he a rookie. One point. Let's cut him a break. Right. He added one point. You know, so if you if you think about it that way, hmm. I think I think I have to choose um have to choose William. Now, McLaren in the single season, most improved team, starting from zero. They were zero for the four, four first four races almost until, you know. Just unbelievable after that. But all right, Greeny, we need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our look back at the 2023 season. And we have a really cool clip from Adrian Newey. So stick with us. Don't forget most disappointing as well. Yeah, we have that for this segment. All right, let's look at YouTube. Uh, Happy Sunday, everybody says. Andy P. Happy Sunday, Kevin Kelly. David Lawrence. Hey, David, I know you're a big fan of Bob Varsha, and Bob, I am giving Bob a break for as much as he wants. This uh, he, he did a lot, of, got a lot of different series this year, so Bob will probably join us sometime over the offseason. And by the way, the offseason, 90 days exactly from today until the first race of the season. So it is not long, but do we friend. get do we get Do we get it uh, reconvened for good behavior? or? <laughs> Yeah. Singapore, 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 David Lawrence. Yeah. Andy P. All right. Andy P. brought up something that almost or, double or in, he illustrates something that I wanted to bring up, and that is two races in most anybody's top five, two in the United States, Coda and Vegas, for very different reasons, yeah, yeah. right? All right. We're coming back. And, 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 and Dave Lawrence has made a good point, too. Okay. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to your Sunday night with Speed City. We're talking a recap, a look back at Formula One this year. And we're talking to some of the folks on YouTube, too, because David Lawrence just brought up a good point. Uh, props to Oscar Piastri, Rookie of the Year. We hadn't I was about, about to say, that. most. if you're looking for most improved, you, you said yeah. that. Yeah. Well, or most impressed. I mentioned Lawson as most improved, which, again, doesn't really suit his category. Uh, but most impressed, uh, I would put Lawson also in that category. But Piastri, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, if you remember. I mean, we, I, we thought he might be better than Lando halfway through the season. Uh, yeah. And also, when he had that year off, I remember when oh, the whole Ricardo Ferrore was going on, right? And it was Piastri's not racing. He's left F2 and he sat on the white, you know, sat yep. on the s- sidelines. And now, you know, now we don't know whether he's going to get in a, a seat or not because Ricardo's there, but Ricardo's not performing and he's lost his mojo. And, and, and then the money swapped hands and they paid out Ricardo. And I remember saying, my word, this Piastri better be really bloody good if they're willing to pay off Ricardo. 20 million. Yeah, 15 and 20 million just to go away so that Piastri can drive. That's bold. Guy's won eight Grand Prix. He's, you know, he's a bit of a small legend in, in Formula One's current era. Yeah, I'd go away for half that. <laughs> would you? <laughs> I would leave you. I, I, would, I would leave the studio right now. Right now. <laughs> Murph, you're up. All right. So we, uh, you know, we left. I said we wanted to, we're going to stick with Red Bull for just a minute because we have a really interesting clip from Adrian Newey. And this is from just a few days ago. 
And this is the EPAR trade event that's that just finished up, Jonathan. Talk, talk about yeah, this whole if thing. You, if you don't know anything about this, go to racer.com or go to EPAR trade uh, and look up the EPAR trade racing industry uh, conference, if you will. Uh, Chris Medlin, because he works with Racer, was in it and he's in this clip. But over five days last week, they interviewed all, and I say pretty much all the kings of industry from Ganassi to uh, heads of uh, Formula E to heads of uh, midget racing to grass track to, you know, uh, extreme E. Uh, I mean, you know, everything. It's so cool. Last Mark year Miles was, from, yeah. from, you know, from Indy. Um, so all the key players and good people interview him, like Paul Fanner, who is the editor of Racer, Chris Medland, of course. So good people interview him. And then in this particular incident, they got, they got, you know, a couple of people together and they did it a couple of times. And they basically put, Adrian Newey with his first driver from the USA, Bobby Rahal. And I didn't know much about their history. I knew that Adrian had had been over here, um, but I didn't realize it was his first real post-college gig. And his first driver to work with was Bobby Rahal. And in the mid-80s, 83, 84, 85, they were like ham and bud and were best of mates and have been ever since. Um, and so they brought them on this EPAR trade and got them to talk. Chris got them to talk about those days, which was fascinating. And if, so I would say if you are a nerd and you want to go and, you know, delve into everybody, you know, people like us go, oh, it's all because of Adrian Newey. It's like, well, what the heck's so imp- good yeah. about Adrian Newey? Well, we can find out. Now, there's a book out. You've got the book, I think, uh, Adrian Newey's book. I don't. Ah, it's a fantastic book. But um, there, there is also a book he's written about the art of, designing race cars um so unless you gave it to me and i haven't read it yet but that's more probably more likely yeah <laughs> um but anyway um he is a fascinating man and um like i said he spent a lot of time in the states doing indie um and sports cars and all sorts of things um but this was basically uh it came in full circle and chris finally said well you know they talked about the relationships and he was talking about how you know it's the, the, the racing is about human beings it's not really about his brilliance as a designer. So this is basically the question that Chris said, which is all of those things you've just been saying, is that why the RB19 was as good as it was? Well, speaking of design, this year's RB19, I mean, the most successful and dominant Formula One car in history. How have you created then a team around you that has been able to produce something like that in a time where is it fair to say it's maybe the most restrictive set of regulations you've had to work under? Well, I think if you go back then, then, so I I started at Red Bull very early 2006. um, And as I said, it was then kind of setting up the the engineering team and particularly communications, seating plans, making trying to reduce the meeting culture that seemed to be quite strong um uh trying to kind of also get people just to talk to each other rather than emailing each other all the time getting all the departments sitting geographically next to each other rather than in different buildings the three departments i referred to earlier so it's getting all that right initially um and then from that we've we've just grown that basic structure um managed to attract some great people through the years so fantastic team of engineers that we now have um but try to run it as a very flat structure and of course you have to have an organogram of who's in charge of who but as much as possible we try to run it flat um and that hopefully makes it a place where people enjoy working there 
um that becomes self-eating feeding that if, if people enjoy working there then it's easier to attract good people it's easier for them to kind of perform at their best um and that that's really as bobby alluded to earlier motor racing ultimately is a people sport and it's it's the people that um work in the company that's the key to its success uh, you know jonathan how classic is that how many times have you heard about people saying the giant corporate culture mm. of meetings and the you know the hierarchy and all of that just is so detrimental to you know well, success sometimes and how many times have you seen that pyramid go up on a wall going well you've got the ceo at the top and then below him are the you know the vice presidents and then and that is the structure of so many big corporations um and yet he what he described them was really interesting not just physically getting everybody in the same room but he he described it as flat and what he means by that and i think i do know what he means he basically means look i don't answer to you you don't answer to me we're all on the design team. If you've got something to say, don't ask for a meeting with me because you are junior to me and you've got less experience than me and I'm Adrian Newey and I've got all the success. What I want you to do is go, that's a load of rubbish, Adrian. Oh, okay, tell me why. And then uh, there's no emails. I, I, I never liked when the email, I thought people hid behind emails when I was in the corporate world because it's too easy to go, you, you, I think this about you type thing and 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 well isn't it easy just to say well you know hey dude <laughs> yeah let's talk this out <laughs> i have uh, spent most of my life in corporate <laughs> no in the opposite and mm. you know running my own companies and things like that but but like this year we had we had a bunch of pretty big corporate sponsors and i did get caught up in some of those, <laughs> some Trails. Of those emails and it's like Oh my gosh, we just had 17 emails about when the next meeting is. So, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. All right, let's see what's next on our list, Johnny. Um, most disappointing driver and or team or both? What do you want? Checo Perez. Yeah, that's an easy one. I, I, it shouldn't be, though, because he's second in the championship, and it's pretty damning to, but, to but be that obvious. But it's so obvious. obvious. I mean, it's It is, and I have to say, if I were one of the other 19 drivers, I'm sure if I, in my heart is you know true, I would say that too, because the bottom line is he did have the same equipment. Now, the equipment might have been designed more in favor of Verstappen's style, perhaps, and that's unfair to Adrian. I don't think he goes out to set out to do that. He goes out to do the best thing he can with with what he's got. And as Chris just alluded to there, you know, one of the most restrictive eras of Formula One in terms of rules. So, you know, he was under the cosh in that respect. And so, and, and remember the downforce, a lot of the teams, the porpoising, remember where this era is. We came, we had to go through a lot to get to this an amazing car that could work in all situations except Singapore. It so, wasn't a great streetcar. So you remember I, I talked about the YouTube channels. I was looking at every one of them, and I kept getting sucked in. And Alex, uh, Alex Albon talked about exactly well, his time at Red Bull, oh, and, yeah. and he talked about Max Verstappen and the way he likes a car, and it was fascinating. That I would love to hear. It was so good. It was If you go to Williams, um, it was I think it was like a 12-minute video on just Alex Albon. But anyway, he says... He said uh, that Max likes it really, really sharp. And he described yeah. that. Pointy. He said, if you're a gamer and you set your mouse settings to where, like, my son is this way. He sets it to where I can't even hardly operate the computer. I walk up and grab the mouse, and it goes off the screen because he's got it set to where, you know, the smallest time, movement yeah. makes a big movement because he's such a great gamer. Mm. And he said Max likes the car that way. He said yeah. he likes the sharpness. He said he likes the front end. Super crazy sharp. Yeah. 
And and that is interesting because when you watch his pole position laps, of which there are 11 <laughs> to look at, the car, it's effortless. Mm. And there isn't, I mean, you, you watch Alonso and, you know, he's, he's or, or Sargent even. I mean, you know, I mean, we, we talked about, you know, Sargent, get, I mean, even the great drivers and the learning drivers are struggling with all sorts of things across a lap. But when you watch Verstappen, it, 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 it's almost, you, you sometimes look, it looks as though the video sped up because yeah. it's so smooth and there is just no. Every single F1 driver is that way. And yeah. it, you just look at it. It was, there was a, I think it was the same video. Albon is sitting there eating breakfast and the toaster pops and it pops up and goes about two inches above the, the top of the toaster and reaches or snatches it in midair and eats it. <laughs> that, 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 by the way, is kind of the theme of most of these YouTube channels. There's a bunch of fluff stuff on there, but there's some good ones and y'all can hear about it. But, Fair enough. Okay. Uh, disappointing team? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one, isn't it? Uh, okay. Haas. I have to agree with that. I, that's I, what, I hate to say that, but it... Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, they're going backwards. They I mean, did the opposite. Where were they last year? Let's well, look. They were probably, uh, I think, eighth. Uh, eighth or ninth, yeah. Uh, Seventh or eighth, I think. Let yeah. me look. But, I mean, disappointing in that, you know, especially when they brought all these upgrades to Austin and, frankly, you know, by Vegas. last year. Eighth, yeah. yeah. But by the time we got to Vegas, as you heard, we talked again to ourselves. And, and, and we asked him that question. I, both your drivers are going in two different directions. Yes, that's what they're more comfortable. But that hides the fact that, Whatever you did was not they, – they should both be going, thank you for our upgrade. I feel so much better now because yeah. these two guys, Hulkenberg and Magnussen, are very experienced racing drivers. And but the frustrated that, racing and frustrated, drivers. But the fact that they're going two different directions is not good for any team. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking back, Williams, this is the first time – this is the best, highest points finish since, since they finished fifth back in 2017. Mm. Somebody can look at that. It was – I think it was 17, so six years. Best time in six years. So Well, and uh, I thought uh, – I, I, I saw an interview with Williams talking about um, how those fallow years have put them back over 10 years. They're that far behind. It's like once you start yeah. dropping the ball in Formula 1, you don't just lose a year. You keep losing. So, you know, what, what R&D you might have done to catch up from 10th to 9th you know, so it, it, it's a horrible spiral in many ways. And frankly, uh, I think the time, and I'm not blaming Claire Williams, but her time at the top, Williams just didn't go forward. Yeah. And they and, knew it. And speaking of the top, James Vowles, I mean, is he kind of like a rising superstar? Yeah, it feels I think so. like it. It feels like it, definitely. It? Well, yeah. and I also think uh, Chris has got great access to him. They've obviously got a good relationship, so we've had a lot of really interesting. I know it's stuff hard to judge him. that because we've heard from him so much, but but no, what he's got to say, um, I think, is really interesting, and I, I I like his attitude, which is the opposite of Red Bull, which is no, I'm going to give that kid a chance, you know, and he's got until whatever, and I'll decide then. But I'm behind him. And yeah. I think, you know, it goes to what Adrian Newey was just saying. And Adrian Newey was the last guy that really brought Williams the success that they had. I mean, you know, let's not, lest we forget, when Williams were trailblazers and winning all the time, guess who was there? Hmm. Adrian Newey. When Coulthard joined Williams, his best mate, Adrian Newey. And he was a smart guy, Coulthard, because he knew damn well making that yeah. guy your best mate is a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, amazing influence this guy's had on the sport. All right, coming up, we are going to, right after this, we're going to talk about Logan Sargent and the big news and what we think of that. Listen to your Sunday night with Speed City back after this.
All right, we have a new guest on the show, a new member of the show, Murphy. Murphy, can, Murphy can would you, you like on to say camera? something? Come here. We've brought some color into the show. Yeah. Would you like to say who you think the best driver was <laughs> of the year? Sergeant, yes. Oh, is that positive? He's wagging his tail. <laughs> he's, he's giving a tails up for Sergeant. He keeps, me, keeps giving me these black looks, though. Hey! Okay, let's check out YouTube comments. Uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, let's see, Charles Leclerc would have been second most disappointing. Well, yeah, I can see that. Uh, Checo, yeah, no longer the tire whisperer. Man, Checo had a rough year. Disappointing team. Mercedes. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, two years in a row. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. They good dropped point. the ball. Andy P says the first five races are so critical for Perez next year because there are several able-bodied replacements to be able to be staring at him to jump in. Uh, let's see. David Lawrence says Checo may not make it to Miami. Uh, <laughs> David says Haas should become the new minority and give young drivers a chance. How about some young American drivers? Yep. Haas are in quite a pickle, says Andy. Yeah, Dave like Lawrence is right. Solution. He did talk Nui into going to McLaren. Yeah. Um. But NDP says, Haas are in quite a pickle here. Feels like the only solution is some new blood in the design team because the upgrades didn't work, and the scary part is they don't know why. This is the second time Haas has been completely lost. What was it, the 2019 whatever, maybe? Anyway, where they were just lost. And the, and Grosjean said, give me the, the old car. Yeah. And they did that again this year. Yeah, so. yeah. No, you're right. Or did they? I, I don't know. But they've been lost before, so rough. Rough time at Haas. And, you know, there's been uh, – there's who's one of our fans who keeps saying, is it Gunther's time to go? Gunther's bringing so many intangible. Did you hear about the CBS show? Yeah. Yeah, I did. All right. Coming back. Here we go. Yeah, I did. Hello to everyone. This is Gunther Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Thank you, Gunther. We actually have a great relationship with Gunther and had a lot of fun with him. And thank him for tons of great access over the years. Man, he's been fantastic. Viva Las Vegas. Yeah. I didn't get to see him in Vegas at all. He I was went great. To, I went to the Haas garage at like... One in the morning when I was starving. That's right. I, and you stole a bottle. Uh, and I went in. And the girl looked at me like, um, can I help can you? Can I help you? And I went, uh, is Stuart around? Mm. And she goes, let me check me. I say, who's here? And so she went to go get him. And I just went over to the food and just stuffed my face. You know face. they have cameras in the croissants, know, but, right? But, well, that's why they put the food out is oh. to keep people from starving. So Disgusting act. <laughs> and it's unfortunate. That we had that on our air live. Yeah, is. I'm unfortunate it is. Yeah, you just you just outed Mr. Massengale. All right. Banned Logan, from... Logan Sargent, the news was announced that he is sticking with the Williams team, and we kind of felt that way. And, you know, if I had the, the Logan meter, I, yeah. it kind of was... The leaned. Logan meter. The Logan meter, you know. Yeah. I felt like he was going to stay. And there was a couple of radio messages. One of the radio messages at Abu Dhabi said, looking forward to working with you next year, basically. Okay. And, you know, that could have been interpreted multiple ways, but there was a couple stuff. But I, I'm glad they waited, uh, and I'm glad they gave him a chance because it's rare in Formula 1. You know, when you look it at is. Nick DeVries versus uh, Logan, they could have easily dispensed with him. And th the question you have to ask is, Williams are on the up and up. Album is, Alban, Alban is performing. 
And you have to ask the question, could they accelerate their performance as a team and be sixth in the championship or fifth in the championship? Were they to get a really good driver in there? You know, um, I think that's the, the, the thing that's in Logan's uh, good, good, good sense is I think he did do enough. And it is good to see and, Formula One being a little bit and, and James Vowles being a little bit more like human about it, as it were. Hey, come on. He's a rookie. Give him a chance. And there's got, you have to say that in any success, there's always a little luck. Well, he's a little bit lucky right now because there's not somebody standing there in the wings. In other words, the musical chair, you know, didn't just end up perfect. So there's somebody waiting. The, the obvious, well, the obvious choices would have been Stoffel Van Dorn, who's got a Mercedes contract. He's with Aston Martin. Yep. Mick Schumacher, he's got a Mercedes contract. He's with Mercedes. Um, and Drokovic, who's with Aston Martin. Yeah. Uh, and therefore a, a, a customer of Sounds Mercedes. Like a couple more, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's you, plenty. You but... could keep going, but there wasn't the clear and obvious choice. Clear and sh- present danger. Clear <laughs> and present danger for, for Logan, yeah. So, all right. Well, you know what? We have a little clip from that Chris Medlin got with Logan Sargent on the Thursday before Abu Dhabi. Now, this is just part of a full clip that you can hear on the Wheel to Wheel show coming up this Wednesday. But this is a couple minutes from it, and here's Chris Medlin interviewing uh, Logan Sargent. I'd say you've been showing the form of someone who is secure for the future, kind of confident and, and really delivering. So what do you think it is earlier in the season that maybe means we're not in that position? When you reflect on this rookie year, what's been the tough bits that maybe mean you still needed to prove something? I think the tough bits for me have been when the potential's been there, um, making mistakes, put it in the wall, um, whatever it may be. I mean, it happens. Obviously, it's it's not what you want to be doing, but um, yeah, there's only one way to, to figure it out. There's only one way to figure out the right approach and mindset that you need to take into to session after session, and um, that's just building experience at the end of the day. And um, sure, I've made some I've made some mistakes, but um, I feel like now I at least have a much better understanding of the approach and mindset that I'm talking about that I, I needed to have to not make those mistakes in the future. Mm. And then flip side then, what have been maybe the things that have made you the most proud that you've been happiest with with your uh, performances and development, I guess, this year? Yeah, I think I think a lot of this year there's been difficult moments, um, changing conditions, um, being able to get on top of those quite nicely, Zanvoort qualifying, for example, um, bar Q3. <laughs> um, but then even going to new tracks like um, Suzuka, Singapore, um, places I'd never been to and just really enjoying those tracks. Felt like I was able to, to get on top of them pretty quickly, which is which is also really um, nice for me. And I think, I think that kind of helped me when we went to Vegas because it was finally the first time that everyone else had a track that they hadn't been to. And um, all of a sudden they're on, in my territory, I guess you can say. And um, just it puts them into what I've been doing the whole year in that I think that also showed and, and helped me have a sort of put me on an equal playing field and then you see what happens. Mm. And sitting here now compared to what, 12 months ago when this was all announced and you were confirmed as a Williams driver, how do you feel compared to then? Like, How much do you think you've evolved and changed and, and developed in the last 12 months? Well, I've definitely changed a lot, that's for sure. Um, I think my understanding of how difficult it is has also changed. Um, the appreciation um, of 
performing at a high level every single day has changed. So I think from a, from a from a mindset point of view, a lot is a lot has changed and the realization of what it takes to to perform at that level constantly. Really nice interview. I yeah, and I thought it was interesting how he talked about Vegas, how it was kind of level mm. level playing field. No one else had been there mm. and he did good in qualifying yeah. and and uh, he, looked good. He's erudite, smart, very marketable. There's a lot going for that kid and I think I think this decision will be good for Vowles and it'll be definitely good for Sargent. Um, but as somebody said on, you know, it's gloves off from here on in. I mean, he's yeah. got oh, he's yeah. got his second chance, no question about it. You don't get it. thirds. You don't get thirds. Period. So, yeah. All right. Uh, next topic we have. This is more from the EPAR trade. Mm-hmm. And this is Sylvia Bayat. Uh, she's a senior director of sporting, sporting Race Operations at the Las Vegas Grand Prix. What is her title again? Because I said Sporting just... Director, Sporting and Race Operations at yeah, Las so Vegas she, Grand Prix. So That's off her just... LinkedIn. So Yeah, yeah. But that 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 sums it up nicely. Yeah. yeah. She's part of the stewards and the FIA. You know, she's working. She's the first and only female steward and FIA race director. Yeah. Which I thought was And she's cool. kind of grown up in that environment. She's had some really interesting jobs. Yeah. And we're going to play this clip. We've got a couple, but I think we just got time for this first one here. And it's the future of F1 because, you know, we talked about, you know, well, Vegas. Yeah. Uh, sorry. F1 in Vegas. Yes. And they, you know, and some of the other ones that you, if you go there, you'll see, she talks about, you know, how they got there and what they went through to get there. But I just thought this was a really good one because it's, Hey, like, and for the girls out there listening, um, yeah, you should look at her, her CV and how yep. she's got to where she's got. Uh, and, and it's interesting. She's like, yeah, you know, I wanted to do this and I wanted to be close to the action and close to the drivers and all this sort of stuff. Uh, but she describes how she did it. And it's a very sort of different it's way. Good. than Yeah, very good. And what I like about this is that, you know, there's always going to be the controversy of female drivers, right? That's a whole other video topic and everything. Mm. But in the organization and all different race strategy, we've seen uh, Bernie Collins, Yep. And all these other places. Hannah Schmidt. There's, yeah, there's no question that there's, you know, you could be a, a man or a woman and it makes absolutely no difference. Zero difference. And, and maybe, you know, some could argue you could be better at it, you mm-hmm. know, just physiologically. So, but let's hear from, from Sylvia Bayat right now. Well, I think it's, it's I, do, I would not call them risk, but I would say that um, what it needs is a lot of evaluation all the time. We just need to make sure that, um, as you know, Social media, the world changes rapidly. So I think what is really, really important is that um, F1 and and I would say probably the rest of the sports as well, they are on top of these of these tools and they're making sure that any changes are uh, are made on time. As I said, we've got a great fan base. I think that most of our fa- fans, our new fans are here to stay. They are not uh, fans that are going to come for a couple of years. I, I can see really passionate men and women that want to be um, full of the sport and also um wanted to um to be part of it and i think is is great and i think the fans are here to stay and as i said if we keep following up with the strategies that would be great yeah it's a bit like being a formula one team isn't it if you're standing still you're going backwards so it's, it's exactly all about... it's, you need to be on top of, of what is going on but i think everybody's doing a great job yeah and just overall and taking a wider view i mean this was a massive event we had formula one invested as a promoter we had levels of hype and expectation that were probably greater than any grand prix i can remember um, there was a lot on the line. Um, I don't know if you want to call it a gamble, but whatever it was, it seems to have paid off. Now that this one's well, under your belt, how excited are you about the the, fu- the event's future and, and where it's going to go over the next couple of years? 
it was it was uh, we're very very excited uh, i think we had here all in the company had some time to recover and we are already working for 2024 i will never call it a gamble i mean everybody's been working so so hard for this uh project and um every 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 detail was discussed um it was um it was ensured that it was the best thing for the Grand Prix. So I think, as I said, this hard effort or, or that we had during the last few months paid off. Um, I think we're very excited about it. Um, we're going to have many more surprises for 2024. Um, as I said, we're in the process right now of um, debriefing and making sure that um, that we can deliver um, even a better uh, in race in 2024 as you can see um, it will be towards of the end of the season next year so we've got some time to do this but um, we're going to be a lot a lot of surprises and we still want to be las vegas and las vegas Grappi, the the capital of entertainment here not just in the united states but also in the f1 f1 circus yeah I mean, like you said before the hard part now is, is following it up with something even bigger and, and better next time around because you set quite a high standard for yourself I totally agree. Um, but I think that now we've got what our inaugural um, Las Vegas Grand Prix race on board. I think everybody here as well in Las Vegas and Clark County is going to understand much more what is F1. Um, yeah. We've been putting a lot of effort to explain to the properties, to explain to our partners here in Las Vegas what is F1. But now that everybody had the um, the chance to see what is Las Vegas Grand Prix and what F1 can deliver, I think we're going to have even much more support that we had this year. Don't get me wrong, it was amazing, the support we had from Clark County and all the properties here. But I think having the first race on, on our backs now is going to help even more just to create a much bigger event for, for next year. That yeah. was interesting. I yeah. like I like the fact that she talked about they know what to expect. And there's a lot of people, you know, we were like Uber, everybody from, from Uber drivers to waiters and waitresses, yeah. they didn't know what to expect in Vegas, and yeah. now they do. And so. there's a lot they got wrong, too. I mean, yeah, I'm not going sure. like, to just get all no. starry-eyed about it. I mean... All besides valve covered, you know. Yeah, no, but, no, but I also think they... Uh, I think the hotels made a mistake, and so did Austin, by the way. But they they all got greedy too quick and went, "Oh right, yeah, year everyone's one, coming to town, made... all the high rollers." Yeah. So we can put our prices through the roof, and of course that scared a bunch of people off. It probably scared a bunch of people who would normally come to gamble there at an exciting week like that. Um, so they've got to you know they've got to balance it. But um, yeah, interesting young lady, and I think yeah, I'm excited for her and her team, um, to go forward from this. It's, great. Mean, it's just so exciting to have a new race anywhere, yeah. much less Las Vegas. All right, coming up after this, we are going to talk about all the YouTube channels for all 10 Formula One teams, and it's a lot more than that. There's lots of fun stuff. And I want to go back to our YouTube feedback, too. Yes, I Good will. Good points being made. All right, coming up right after this. All right, what do you got, Johnny Green? On YouTube, you said there's some comments you wanted. Yeah, no. Somebody said, "What about Alpine?" You haven't mentioned Alpine, and they were they were the disappointment of the year. Andy P said that, yeah, definitely on the list of most disappointing. Yep, they've got the, yeah, they've got resources, and yeah, if anything, they went more sideways, a lot like Mercedes did. Yeah. Um, oh man, speaking of YouTube, um, I, no matter what you think, I hate to. It's like I want to talk cars a little bit, but I don't want to get political because the new Cybertruck came out. And nothing, if not for no other reason, is that it was launched here, right here in Austin. You know, I'm sitting at home watching all these YouTube videos about it right after it happened, and I realized that's only about ten minutes away from where, where it at the Tesla plant. Oh, right, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Cybertruck came out, and it was cool because all these YouTubers that I like to follow on my, you know, my 
like my my wife likes the housewife shows to turn off of her brain. I like car shows and like Carwell, Matt Watson. He's one of my and they were all here in Austin. They were all oh, right yeah, down the street. Yeah, reviewing the Cybertruck. It was pretty cool. It's isn't it bulletproof? Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to Speed City, your Sunday night with Speed City. And we're going to walk through all 10 channels real quick, a review of each of the channels. And I'm going to do it like top 10, and I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way up, and I'm going to give them a grade as I go. And this all started with, you're talking about James Vowles, and they have done a fantastic job. This is a little hint to my my grading of uh, videos on their on their website and on their YouTube channel. But I'm going to start at the bottom of the list, and that would be, and by the way, this was not easy deciding which one was the worst because there's a lot that are not very good, and we, this we, is what's surprising. And Aston Martin comes in last as the worst F1 team YouTube channel because here's some quick stats, right? They've got... 256,000, 265, excuse me, thousand subscribers. They've made 460 videos, but most of them are like, you know, they all do this. They have silly driver, like, hey, participation, you know, you, you know, either, you know, what's your favorite this or that? And they ask each other and they all do that. And that's kind of fun. But how many of those can you really do on a YouTube channel? Well, that's not that very creative, is it? It's very not creative at all. And they have some decent production. Most of them are like 90 seconds, so nothing really special. They had a silly season recap video, and it was like 90 seconds, and it was all this techno pop, and it was like flashing this and lights. And I was like, is that really, what's, who's that for? Who's going to sit and actually watch that video? And a whole bunch like that. So Aston Martin gets a D for a YouTube channel in my uh Old school. Is boy. this grouchy old man's top ten? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As if you and Dave Leatherman been together on your top ten list. Yes, yes. All right. So the next up from there is Alpine, and honestly, very similar. Lots of driver and team kind of little silly ones. Well, just can uh, I pick up there? Yeah. Uh, sure. One of the comments on our YouTube was, you know, you've, we didn't mention um, Alpine. Definitely on the list of most dis disappointing, and that's uh, Andy P. Uh, and I agree yeah. totally. We didn't. We we flipped over it, but it's been a very disappointing season for them. Absolutely. Get especially when you look at what they did in Vegas. Both of them qualified in the top eight and then just disappeared. Um, you know, I think Gasly was fourth at Vegas on the grid. Um, but no, that it wasn't a good season. I just wonder, perhaps, with this reinjection of A class celebrities, whether the Alpine following, stroke media, stroke YouTube, will will improve. Because they do have quite a bunch of really interesting cats like Ryan Reynolds. Well, it's like Andy said, they have tons of resources, right? To call and, on, yeah. And they should not have a, they should do better. They should be in getting better. And also their YouTube channel should be better. They've got tons of resources. Okay, next with, and I give Alpine a D also. The next team is Haas F1, third from the bottom. Very similar. No, nothing, no fun, no, no in-depth stuff mm. on like, I mean, the team or technology, they do the same driver stuff, nothing on their website. I give them a D also. Next up, Alfa Romeo Sauber. Um, they have a few, very similar to the other ones. They have a few short explainers. They have a five-episode docu-series that was, um, 
it was interesting that, that, but they had like really crappy narrator audio. It sounded like he was in a room that was just echoing, like he was in a, an office. So it was really hard to listen to. wasn't very engaging. I give them a C minus. Mm-hmm. Next up is Alphatari. Um, they should be decent, given that they're a fashion company. I mean, you you would. They had some behind the scenes videos that were they were all right, I guess. And they got Yuki. I, they got and Yuki. Ricardo <laughs> and Liam Lawson. He and was, Liam Lawson. He was good. He was good. Lots of drivers asking videos, same old things. Um, I know, and I know why they're doing this. They're trying to just to get us to know the drivers because sure. that's what engages you in the sport. Same thing, Drive to Survive did. Yep, a lot better though. Uh, but there was a great Liam Lawson video on the day of the Ricardo crash, like I talked about oh, earlier. Yeah. That was, I'm going to go and look at that. That was worth going to the AlphaTauri YouTube channel. You know him and Yuki used to live in a, an apartment in Milton Keynes together. <laughs> That's so on I, Drive to Survive. So I give them a C. The next up, and this was a, the most surprising of all this, was McLaren. Only, And they're only marginally better than all these other ones. I give them a C plus, And they had a, a few, you know, you know, the same old thing. But they had, uh, like, for example, they had... Lando and Oscar playing hide and seek. Really? That that's what we're that's that goes for contents. They had a few good behind the scenes videos, um, and you know they just weren't that much better. I gave them a C plus. If you go to their channel, there's some there's some decent ones there, and then the next one is Red Bull. Excuse me, Ferrari, and this is where ah, now Dave Lawrence thinks that best social media. Overall, McLaren. Well, best social media is very different from a best YouTube, YouTube channel. YouTube, okay. I'm with you. So uh, the next one up is Ferrari after McLaren, and I give them actually the same grade as McLaren. It's just slightly better. I mean, look, you talk about resources. Again, yeah. Ferrari's got plenty of resources. Do you, do you think could... Ferrari was struggling with their strategy? Yeah. <laughs> their, their YouTube strategy, <laughs> their for YouTube sure. YouTube strategy. They had some decent race preview videos, and, and they did, you know, actually, I kind of got sucked into some of their hypercar stuff, and so maybe I was See, biased may, Maybe what Ferrari need to do is just put out uh, Leclerc's radio of all yeah. the things that need to happen at Ferrari. Okay, here's a – I'm going to – Red Bull is who's next after Ferrari. And Red Bull, they I put monetized. Red Bull monetized their channel. In other words, when you go to the channel, you got to watch commercials. But I, I got to rem- I forgot AlphaTauri did the same thing. Okay, Red Bull, they have a ton of videos. They have a ton of views. They can actually generate some money by monetizing it. But AlphaTauri, they don't have very many. But it is videos. the same company. I know. It's but but somebody just said, oh, we're going to tick that box. But mm. they don't. They they shouldn't. It's two different strategies. Yeah, yeah. It's like saying. Well, we have the Red Bull strategy. We're going to use that in F1 yeah, and yeah, for yeah. Alphatari. It's, no, it's point. very dumb. And Red so, Bull, given they've got their own TV channel, should exactly. should be banging exactly. out lots. Lot, and uh, they should monetize because they've yeah. got the views to do it. But don't you hate it when you go to a – you want to learn about a product and you go to their website and they've monetized it. So you got to watch a commercial before you watch the thing about their product. Somebody is not thinking, and that's Alphatari in that case. Well, and especially when you look at Red Bull's turnover worldwide, I think it was 8 billion cans of yeah. Red Bull were sold last year or something like that. But the uh, the Red Bull videos, there was lots of behind the scenes. There were some day in the life videos. They've done a pretty good job there. But still, if I grade them, I still give them a B minus, really only a little bit better than all these other guys. And so the next one I'm going to say is, is Mercedes. And to me, this one is the first of what I would call an actually good F1 YouTube channel. Because, what do they do that's good? Okay, so they've got um, good debriefs. They've got good technical how it works videos. They've got good uh, my job in F1. 
you know, they've got everything from the mechanics, everybody else talking about my job in F1. It's really good stuff. Do they have a compilation video of Toto throwing his headphones off? They, uh, they You'll have to go to the, uh, the WTF1 YouTube channel for that one. <laughs> uh, but they do a good job. They do track guides. And so it's, it's see, good. See that, to be honest, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I, I, of all my years in TV, one of the things that I – love doing and i still i'll be doing it at the toyota racing series in in a few weeks time is getting the drivers to describe the circuit themselves and the nuances of them and now you can do it on a simulator you can do it on i mean ricardo did one uh, about vegas thought that was yeah. very good you know because he's giving you his thoughts about doing the simulator and also his thoughts on good bad indifferent and I mean, right from the get-go, I thought we got some good insight before anybody went out on track. We had that interview with Alban, uh, me and Chris, and, and and Alban was really good explaining how the corners oh, were I tricky. That was yes, and and, and how you ha- the placement of the car was going to be key. And he hadn't even been on the track, but from his simulators. Yep. He and knew. so my point is, I think that for me as a fan and and as somebody involved in the commentary, it, it's really interesting to get that insight, even if it's just a simulation. Yep. And speaking of that, one of my notes, the characters can make the channel because George Russell yeah. on the Mercedes channel, um, it was a silly one, but they did it well. He was reacting to all the memes about oh, yeah. him on the channel, and it was great. And like, and by the way, the characters can make the channel. All of the channels that did good on the Aston Martin channel were the Alonzo videos. Yeah. They were, you know, had 10x on engagement on the their YouTube channel, so... All right, so, and saving the best for last. And by the way, I gave Mercedes a B on theirs. And I give Williams, I gave them an A, and I debated on an A- minus for a few things, but they have some fantastic videos. If you go to, they were the only site, I think, that had a full, well-organized section on all their videos. I mean, they've got behind the scenes, they've got um, team talks, they've got... And, and um, as it happened, race recap with James Vowles and Team Radio and all these. But my favorites, and this is what really hooked me and, and started digging, was were the team talks. It's just like an American football coach, the halftime speeches and the post game. I love all that. That's why Welcome to Wrexham and why Ted Lasso, yep. all of those things. All right. Yeah. And Williams what does was... it. They, it's fantastic. And it's just, it's not overproduced either. They're it's just like you'd expect. James Valls is sitting up at the front Reality. with the whiteboard behind him. Yeah. And, and he's just talking about, you know, either what's going to happen or what had just happened. And they are really, and you know really what? good. It only need, it's really not hard. I know we're talking about big corporations with big money and big sponsors, but it only needs to be ticked by two people. One, the sponsor involved, let's say it's Red Bull in this case, or yep. or, or a Mercedes case, you know, Aeneas, or, or any of them, and say, and then the, and then Toto to look at it and go, yeah, that's fine. You can let that information out uh, if it's a debrief or, a, you know, there's a lot of non-espionage type stuff that can be dealt with that is massively entertaining to oh, the fans. And yeah. frankly, if you everybody talks about Drive to Survive being so clever, well, it's not. They're just actually showing you, I mean, you know, I've been around that world. That's yeah. what it's like. And you can do it without the silliness that yeah. all these teams, you know, the drivers are not actors. Goofy. Yeah. I mean, those Mercedes technical ones are so good. I mean, the Mercedes and the Williams have done a fantastic job. Jonathan, we are out of time. Uh, I want to. Got some great comments. Yeah. yeah Everybody yeah, disagreeing or agreeing. Yep. yep. Don't put things behind paywalls. I yes. Agree. Yes. 
Well, hey, Andy P., it's all YouTube, baby. This is, uh, this is good stuff. And there is a ton on Williams. Go check it out, y'all. You will, you will be glad. Um, all right, we are out of time, but we will be back next Sunday night. And uh, we'll be looking through all your comments and learning and listening. So, go to ePartray. Go to Yeah, go check out ePartray. They're great. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, go to our website and look at our content. Happy we'll talk to you next week.